As we step into our message this morning, I'm taking us right to week number three of our core values. We are in the midst of the series, Heart of the House. And uh, the ushers have some paper copies if you would like a copy. Or you can go to the digital copy, as you know, kcf.life. Uh, click on messages, click on Sunday notes, and then there's two options there. One, if you're renewing Heart of the House, if you've taken it before, you can hit renew. If you're doing it for a first time, then click the first time button. And we do want everyone who desires to serve at Koinonia to have walked through Heart of the House these five weeks together. Because we believe God is giving us his heart for this house. And so as you serve out of this house, we want to carry his heart as you do it. So that's why we're encouraging you to be along, along on this. And you can submit your paper copy after the service right out in the foyer. You could drop it right there each week. And if you're doing electronic, just hit the end button and it'll automatically go right in. All right? So let's, uh, let's get back into week number three. I'm supposed to ask this morning, how's your serve? Have you been working on your serve? <laughs> Maybe not all of us are tennis players, uh, maybe it's badminton's your thing, or pickleball, or, but whatever it is, some of you can recognize this is a tennis racket, right? I was introduced to tennis back in high school. Uh, I was 17 years old when my family moved to Kitchener, and started a brand new high school, knew nobody there, KCI. And when I attended there, because I was a little late getting into the city, signing up for courses, I didn't get all the courses I wanted, but I did get phys ed. Whew, thank God. <laughs> and then, uh, but I didn't get to pick all the sports, so they told me, you're going to learn how to play tennis. I thought, ah, can't be that hard, right? Looks pretty cool on TV. It's kind of like golf. You just hit the ball as hard as you can, right? You know, that's not true. But as I learned uh, the mechanics of tennis, I think our phys ed teacher probably told us some things of how to play, right? How to stand and how to hold the racket. And, but at that time, I was being a new kid at the school. I was more concerned about, you know, not embarrassing myself and perhaps a little distracted by the opposite gender. And so I had to impress and that kind of stuff. And, but I thought I could figure this out. Like, I grew up playing hockey, you know? So I'm sure I could apply some of the mechanics to, from hockey to tennis. My coach always said, never let anything buy you. I'm like, okay, bring it on, you know. But without the uh, proper instruction and learning, as I tried to return those serves, they went everywhere. <laughs> they went into the net. They went over the side. They went up in the air. They went and hit my partner probably. And they just did not go where we wanted it to. So I thought, okay, you know, great. They're, they won the first set. Now it's my serve. I know how I could do this. As long as I don't embarrass myself bouncing it with my left hand, Right. Timing up in the air and coming down, and I could smash it as hard as I want. <laughs> but it didn't go where I willed it to go. It went off this way. It went off that way. What I began to learn about tennis that still served to teach me throughout life is that if I'm not intentional and focused with my serve, it's going to affect the outcome and the impact that I have. So if you turn it around and say, if I am intentional and focused with my serve, then think about the impact and the outcome that my serve is going to have. I'm here to ask you this morning, how's your serve? Not just on the court, but how's your serve in serving the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords? Our third core value in the Heart of the House series is servanthood. And we want to come this morning and zero in on the master at serving, 
We're not going to have to go to Wimbledon or the U.S. Open or even the Rogers Cup. We're, we're going to go right to the Master Jesus and say, what was at the heart when you served? Show us, reveal to us your heart, Jesus. Because that's going to be what we need to follow the example of so that we can serve to have a lasting impact. So this morning, Heart of the House, Core Value 3, Servanthood. I want to invite you to press in to Jesus today. Don't be distracted by the opposite gender this morning, all right? Don't be trying to impress this morning. Let's just come to Jesus, John chapter 13, and see if we can see where his heart was beating and how he served out of the love of the Father. Because as Jesus was the master servant, he said things like, if you want to be the greatest, you must be the servant of all. And we saw him demonstrate that when he left everything in heaven to come down and to have the attitude of that of a servant. At the heart of the greatest servant of all time, Jesus, he spoke out words that I did not come to be served, but to serve and to give my life for the purpose the Father has called me. And he demonstrated again and again as a servant. Think about Jesus' life. What are some of the examples that come to your mind of how Jesus served that had a lasting impact? We know the cross is one of them, right? He served at the cross. He served by emptying himself and becoming obedient as a servant, even obedient unto death. He gave himself in that moment as a servant to fulfill the Father's plan. Not only the cross an example, but his birth was an example of serving. Because he left his role and all he had to come down here to walk amongst us and to communicate the love of God. Giving up heaven to come to a broken, hurting earth had to take a heart of a servant. Think about other examples where Jesus served. He served so many people by bringing healing to them day in and day out. Jairus' daughter, the bleeding woman, the father whose son was possessed and the enemy would throw his son into the fire, the man who was blind, the man who was deaf, the man who was lame. Again and again, Jesus served tirelessly throughout day in and day out. The parents whose daughter had died prematurely, the mother whose son had died, again and again he served and he served. Peter's mother-in-law, at the end of a long day of healing and teaching and ministry, when they came back for a rest, you know what it's like, what you feel like at the end of a long work day? But at the end, when they came in and Jesus, uh, Peter's mother-in-law had a fever, Jesus served again. He didn't stop serving. His patience for people who didn't respond with love, he still served them. His disciples, who at times reacted and said obscure things, and, and that he knew it one day abandoned him, he still served them. He served, and he served, and he served. The, great, the greatest servant of all time, what's at his heart? Well, this passage that we're going to look at this morning, John chapter 13, reveals to us, it's going to reveal to us, the full extent of Jesus' love. I want you to see that love this morning, that Jesus loved right up to the end. He didn't stop. John 13, do you know what it's about? John 13. Jesus washes the disciples' feet. We're going to see some service happen here, aren't we? Let's look at verse 1. 
It was just before the Passover feast, and Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. I want you to notice something here in verse 1, that it was just before the Passover feast, so it was nearing the end of Jesus' life here on earth. And look at the words that are come next. Jesus knew that his time had now come. Jesus knew that his time had now come. John's telling you and I that in this text. But Jesus knew. Remember all the times Jesus responded by saying, my time is not yet. Remember the very first miracle? And his mom said, hey, do something. Help the crowd out. And he said, my time has not yet come. Many people would call on him and try to engage him and get him to, to be a part of their will. And he'd say, my time has not come. But here now, he's, he knows his time has come. And what John's telling you and I is we're about to witness the full extent of Jesus' love. Look at verse 2. The evening meal was being served, and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Judas had already been tempted, bribed, given into the thought that, hey, I could get something out of this if I just point at Jesus and say, he's the one. Judas had already been, was at this point already in the grip and the hands of the influence of Satan. And yet Jesus was about to serve him too, equally amongst all the other disciples that were gathered there. Jesus knew, and he was getting ready to serve. Church, serving is not always easy. We don't just serve the people that we know like us. <laughs> we're not called to serve people we know are going to give something back to us. Sometimes God puts a person in front of us that may challenge us, but he's calling us to serve so he can work through us and reach that person. Look at verse 3. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, that he had come from God and he was returning to God. Once again, Jesus knew some inside information. Uh, John's telling us this so that we catch a grip, uh, we can see the bigger picture of what's unfolding. Jesus knew that he had been given all authority on heaven and earth. So, if he knew that, and he knew that some things were coming up where he was going to lay his life down and give up his life, don't you think he could have uh, injected some of that power and changed up the history of things? Don't you think he could have called, as Matthew recorded it, 12 legions of angels? Do the math, that's 72,000 angels. Jesus could have gone like that and said, Father, send him down. I'm done with this world. You know, he had all power and authority. He knew, though, that he had come from the Father, so he knew the Father's heart, and he knew that he was going back to the Father. Jesus knew all this. The disciples didn't. They're trying to take in these moments and understand what's unfolding here. They're, they're the people of Jesus' day, the, those who were watching him, some of the, the people who thought he was, some of the Jews who thought he was going to rule with an iron fist, they, they would have loved to have that inside knowledge and say, Jesus, like, lay it down now, man. Now's the time to take up the authority and, and let's wipe out these Romans and these religious leaders and take care of my boss while you're at it. And, you know, they, they're, they're looking for their own will to be fulfilled. But Jesus, in knowing all this, is carrying the heart of a servant. He's carrying the heart of the Father. And he knew that his serve was to have an impact that would last for eternity. 
So you and I, just take this in for a moment and picture it like it's a movie unfolding, all right? You know when you watch a movie and the creators of it kind of give you some inside information so you feel like you're on the inside scoop of what's happening and what's about to happen. So picture this unfolding and you know the content of what John's talking about. You know what Jesus says he knows and you know what's coming soon. You know the outcome and you know the love of God is just beating within Jesus' heart and, and you're like, okay, he's getting ready to show them the full extent of his love. Like we're on the edge of our seat. What's this going to turn out like? Can you picture it? Go to verse four. Here it comes. Here's the big one. So he got up from the meal took off his outer clothing, and he wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying with the towel that was wrapped around him. Was that the big next part of the scene that you were anticipating? (laughs) Jesus takes off his outer cloak, rolls up his sleeves, and he grabs a a servant's tool, (laughs) and he gets down on ground level, to the disciples, to communicate them, what was it again? Oh yeah, the full extent of his love. He's communicating something to these disciples that he wants them to take and communicate to the entire world. You're going to see in this passage that he's communicating something to you and I that he's going to want us to take and communicate to the entire world as well. Take in and just think about all that is unfolding here. The seriousness of his power and his presence. The fullness of what Jesus is doing. He could have commanded respect. He could have said to everybody there, he had authority to say, bow before me. And yet he was the one who did the bowing before everyone else. Jesus' approach in serving was this. He, being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, understood, or taken advantage of. Rather, he made himself nothing, taking on the nature of a servant. That was Jesus' approach for how to touch the hearts and lives of the people of this world. With the servant's tool of a towel, he began to serve the people who he had been teaching and caring for. It was not the tool of power. It was not the tool of an athlete. It was not even the tool of a king. It was a tool of a servant. He laid down all his authority so that he could communicate and convey the love and heart of the Father. But if you're familiar with this passage, or if you read it later on today, you'll see that Peter balked at that. Peter's like, no way, master. You're the master. Like, there's no way I'm letting you wash my feet. Jesus said, Peter, unless I wash your feet, you have no part of me. Well then, why don't you just wash all of me, you know? Like, do the whole thing then. Like, I know I've got the right answers here, Lord. And Jesus responded to Peter and said, no. Verse 10. A person who's had a bath needs only to wash his feet. His whole body is clean, and you are clean. Though not every one of you around the table tonight. There's another message that's coming in here as Jesus was serving the disciples. I'm going to pick it up shortly. But look at verse 12. Do you understand what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example. Jesus had set an example for the disciples and for all of us. He'd set an example by his heart 
by his actions, by his words. By getting down and serving those dirty, dusty feet that didn't wear Nikes or Reeboks or Pumas. They were exposed to the elements. They probably weren't cleaned as often as they should be. You know, think of the fungus, think of the warts, think of, you know, like real time, right? And he got down. He didn't care who the feet owner was, Judas included. Eventually, a few days later, or after the arrest here, later on, it, Jesus, all the disciples betrayed him. They all left him. He knew what was going to unfold, yet he still chose to serve them. What was in Jesus' heart? We hear it recorded earlier in his life. Matthew records it in Jesus' words saying, Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus also said, The greatest among you is your servant. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Those were just the opposite of what people heard in that day. What? To be the greatest? We're supposed to get down and serve? The disciples had heard him say this throughout their lifetime, throughout the ministry time that Jesus was with them. He heard him, they heard him say, I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls with me. Now they were witnessing his gentle, humble heart, serving and communicating a message to them. He himself did, took, on, took on nothing, the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. That's a master servant right there. Willing to go through with the Father's plan, the Father's will. Not my will, Lord, but yours be done. This example that Jesus set was to impact those disciples. It was then to impact all of us who would read it and follow through with it. And let it sink in again and again. In the moment, though, the disciples didn't get it. Verse 7. Jesus said, you do not realize what I'm doing, but later on, you will understand. Right now, guys, you're not getting this. But there's a time coming when you will. And it was after his resurrection. Luke records it. Listen to this when they got the revelation, thinking back. Luke records Jesus' words saying to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that was written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. Just picture your mind being opened up and going, that's what he was talking about? This is what is written, that Christ will suffer and rise from the dead and on the third day. And repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning in Jerusalem. You are witnesses of all these things. You are witnesses of all these things I've done. Remember the towel and the foot washing? You are witnesses of that. You are witnesses of all the ways I have served throughout time. You are witnesses to hear and to receive, to see the impact and go and have an impact in my Father's name. 
Did the disciples get anything out of this lesson that day? Did they learn anything from the example of what was going on? If you tracked immediately after, you'd probably be disheartened and say, ah, the the lesson didn't stick. You know, ah, Jesus is going to feel disappointed with them. But Peter did. Can we learn from the example? Peter learned. Listen to what Peter says in his letter that he wrote later on in life. He says this in, in his first letter, chapter 5, verse 5, Clothe yourselves with humility for one another. Clothe yourselves with humility. Where do you think he learned that? Where do you think he saw that modeled? Where do you think he witnessed humility right before him? His master, Jesus. Then Peter begins to teach others. He got the lesson, chapter 4, verse 10. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, that so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. Peter got it, didn't he? Listen to what else he says. He says, be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you're willing, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve. Somebody say, preach it, Peter. (laughs) Peter learned and he got it. And he was communicating it then to the people he walked with as well. But let me bring us back to John 13 again. And there's really two messages that Jesus was communicating to the disciples there that day that are for us as well. The first one is the easy pickup. Hopefully it's an easy pickup by this point in the message. That we are to serve through humility. Jesus was modeling it, demonstrating it. His life had crescendoed to this point. He was serving through humility. That's the first lesson that he was communicating. The second one that he was also communicating is Jesus came to cleanse people from their sin. He came to forgive people from their sin. Remember I read earlier here in John 13 that Jesus was about to demonstrate the full extent of his love. The full extent of his love is not washing dirty feet. (laughs) You and I can do that. Jesus was setting up this cleansing represents the cleansing of your soul. So when Peter blurted out in the literal saying, no, I'm not going to let you wash me and Jesus said, unless you let me cleanse you, all of you, inside and out, then you can have no part with me. He was talking about the forgiveness of sin. The full extent of his love was about to happen and be demonstrated on the cross. And then the resurrection power giving life to Jesus again. That was the demonstration of the full extent of his love. And Jesus was weaving it in the midst of this lesson of washing feet. And you may be thinking, oh, well, why was he doing that? Why didn't he just come out and teach them and just say, hey, this is how the forgiveness of sins works? Because he wanted later on the revelation to hit them. And for them to go, oh my goodness, he washed our feet? But on the cross, he washed my soul. He wanted them to see in this little act of serving, this big act of serving was going to have an eternal impact, not just on one person but the entire world. Why I tie this together for us is because when we serve, the people we serve have the opportunity to see Jesus in us. When we serve, people can see God's heart 
through our serving. Serving is powerful. In our serve, people actually could be opened up to the thought of, whoa, I could be cleansed in a bigger way than this. I, my life could be touched in, in a lasting way bigger than this. When we serve, it's just a little earthly gesture that opens up people's hearts and eyes and minds to think about the eternal impact if they walk with the Father. Jesus demonstrated his love and communicated the depth of forgiveness through serving. That's why I think the Father calls us to serve in his name because it will have an impact in this world around us. Wayne Cadero, who's a pastor who we've learned a lot from in this house. We've read some of his books, heard his messages. He pastors in Hawaii. That's where real pastors who are blessed get to serve, right? <laughs> pastors who are blessed get to serve everywhere. But Wayne says this. He says, if you're not serving, then, serving, then people are not seeing much of Jesus. If you're not serving, people aren't seeing Jesus. We know that when we serve, we are like Jesus. When we serve like Jesus, people will see Jesus. Are we preventing people from seeing the one who can change their life simply because we are like, hmm, I'm not serving. I served last year at that event. I'm not serving this year. Huh, I don't have time to serve today because I've got my agenda. So I don't know why God's even bringing this before, you know. Are we preventing people from seeing Jesus simply by our attitude and us holding back from serving like Jesus did? Think about it. Think about the impact that Jesus had. He lived every day for the, not my will, but yours be done. Let it be done here and now, God. So let me take this then to us and apply it. If we are going to help people see Jesus by our serve, what are some simple, practical, everyday parts of your life where people could see Jesus through you? I think of simple things. Like, I'm not, I'm not thinking of the big, big, set it up, it's going to take three days planning. I'm thinking like you're walking somewhere and you see somebody else, a stranger, coming to the door at the same time as you. And you're like, hey, why don't I serve them and open the door for them and let them in? And Regardless if they say, hey, it's, you know, equal gender, you don't have to open the door for, you know, don't worry about all that. <laughs> Ask them, can I, can I hold the door for you? <laughs> and see how they respond. <laughs> Jesus said, uh, if you're going to a banquet or a dinner place, don't take the best seat at the table. Give it to somebody else. That's serving. What does that look like in today's day and age? Um, well, it could be this. Uh, I'm pulling up to a restaurant with Rebecca and and I, I say, whoa, look at that crowd over there. Honey, quick, get out and get in line before that crowd comes, you know, because that's a big family coming in, and we don't want to wait for them to be, to be served first. Oh. What would it look like differently is, hey, let's bless this family. Look at mom and dad with all the kids. They probably had a crazy day. Let's, let's you know, let them get in there first. Think of practical, simple ways. When, when it comes to whether you're being served food or a drink or mechanics serving you for your car, I love to look for ways that I can outserve them while they're serving me. You know, what could you day to do to make their day blessed? Uh, simply by asking their name. You know, showing them that you care about them. That when they come back and say, "Hey, it's going to take a little bit longer," you know what? That's okay. You know, you're doing the best you can with the crowd that you have here in the house. Thanks for just making time for us. You know, there's simple everyday ways that we can serve that causes people to go. 
What's different about them? What's, what makes them tick? What's at the heart of that person? Because I'm supposed to be serving them and I feel like, man, they're, they're serving me in return. So church, let me ask, in this context, because we're getting down into the, the nitty-gritty, the real stuff of today where you're kind of like, oh, I hope he skips over this part because I'm feeling uncomfortable right now. How far will you go to serve? Will you serve even if it's not convenient for you? Will you serve if it's not beneficial just for you? Will you serve if you're not noticed? Nobody's looking and watching. Will you serve if there's nothing immediate in return for you? Will you serve even if there's no reward in it for you? How far will you go to serve? If you were to ask Jesus, you know, some of the answers to the, that question. Was it convenient for him to die on the cross? <laughs> Absolutely not. He gave up everything in that moment to serve this world. Was it beneficial for him to serve in this way? Well, you know, if you got through all the, the pain and the whippings and the beatings and being slandered and you get to the heaven part, but there was a whole lot through the serve first. Was he noticed in this moment of washing the disciples' feet? That was just the 12 of them gathered in a room. He didn't have the world watching saying, hey, get a load of me. Look at how loving I am. In that moment of serving, he did it for them. Not to be noticed, but to touch their lives. Was there any immediate kickback or return for Jesus in that moment? Like think about when he's washing their feet and he's looking up at the eyes of Peter. And he's about to tell them, you're going to deny me three times, but I love you. He didn't say that yet, but you know that's what he's thinking. When he's washing Judas's feet, and he's thinking about, oh man, I know you've already taken the silver. You're already ready to turn me in. And yet he washed Judas' feet. There was not immediate kickback for Jesus in that moment. But he served because the Father had called him to something that was greater than himself. The reward, Jesus knew, would be for the whole world, for you and I. That's why he gave his life to serve. How far will you go to serve when God puts an opportunity in front of you? Church, because let me remind you that serving is powerful. It is powerful. When you serve somebody out of love, it impacts them. And when we do it together... When we serve together, it's something that creates a statement of unity that not only another person is going to take note of, but your neighborhood is going to take note of. The world is going to take note of. When we serve together, serving is powerful. Serving helps us focus. Because when we're, we're engaging in the serve, it's not all about me. It's about the person I'm serving. It, it, it helps us with our focus. Do you need a reminder? Serving is not about you. <laughs> it's not whether it fits in your day or if it's good for you, if it works out or you're going to get a, a percentage back again. It's not about you. It's about serving somebody that God puts right in front of you because he wants to touch them through you. Serving is an opportunity for us to walk out humility. Jesus did it here we pray that prayer sometimes, don't we? Oh, God, make me a humble servant of yours. And then when he gives you an opportunity, 
You're like, did I really pray those words this morning? But if you mean them, oh man, your life is going to change. Not to mention the life of the person you're serving. It's an opportunity for you to practice humility. To pick up the tool of a servant. Not the tool trying to get you uh, acknowledgement and fame. But the tool that's going to impact and change. Serving stirs up joy. Think about some of the times that you have served somebody and you watch their face light up. You see their demeanor change. You could tell they're touched and immediately this feeling overcomes you like, oh, that felt good to do that. I got to do that again. <laughs> but sometimes we forget. Stirring, serving stirs up joy in the person you touch and in yourself. Even if on the outside they don't look like it, because some people, oh, I don't need you to hold the door. Oh, I didn't need you to pay for my meal. Oh, and on the outside, it looks like bitterness, hardness. You can know that something's going on on the inside that's stirring them up, that they feel uncomfortable because they're like, ah, this is something bigger than me. And serving is about building. Because when we're serving, we're building, investing in another life. When we are serving, we're seeing God build something through us. That will bring glory to him as well. Bring glory to him and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit. Let me take us back as I wrap this up this morning. John 13, 17. Now that you know all these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Those are Jesus' words. Now that you know all of this, you will be blessed. Your life will be enriched. You will have fullness of life Because you know all these things and you're actually going to walk them out and do them. You're going to experience something inside of you that is heaven coming to earth. It's something welling up in you that is impacting your life and those of the lives around you. I want to encourage you, don't live a half-hearted life. Don't try and play the game of life not even knowing how how to serve. Don't try and use your own power and authority. Jesus was given all power and authority. And then he said, now I give it to you. Go and make disciples, teaching them everything I've taught you. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Go with the authority that I'm implanting in you, imparting in you. And we're going to see God do amazing things. Church, I encourage us to embrace this core value number three with sincerity here in this house. Don't serve because you think you have to. Don't serve because you think somebody up here on the platform is telling you. No. You've got the opportunity to do it. It's up to you if you want to respond and follow the example of Jesus Christ. Let's build in this house or continue to build, continue to bring forward a culture of serving. Because we can easily as a church be good at offering programs and ministries and and be busy. And people could know us as, oh yeah, they gather there, lots of them on Sunday. I see the parking lot full. And I think some of them could show up on Wednesdays. And there's some here on Thursdays. And let's not be known as when our parking lot is filled. (laughs) Let's be known as the church that reaches out and serves because that's the heart of the Father that we carry. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. I have set you an example. Go and do as I have done for you. Let's follow the heart of the master servant, Jesus Christ, carrying it into the world and the opportunities that God gives us. Let me pray. Father, 
wow. When we look at Jesus and his heart and example of serving, we respond with, wow. When we get to the real time and the real thought that Jesus could have called a whole army of angels to get him off this earth and get him out of what was about to happen. And yet he said, no, I love these people, Father, like you love them. It's not about me. It's about them. And how he gave his life to serve. Father, may you keep stirring in our hearts and lives. Transform us through and through, day in and day out, through the open door opportunities, through the serve the neighbor next door opportunities, through serving those who are easy to serving those who maybe are a little more challenging. God, we ask you to continue to impart your heart to our hearts so we can love on this world the way that Jesus loved on this world, the way you're calling us. In your mighty name I pray, amen.